0: second Peter chapter 1 there have been some in our church through this last year that's been reading through the New Testament in a year I don't know how many have been doing it but I know one or two have at least and uh, we're getting close to the end we, we've got Jude left and then revelation and that's it and we'll be finished so Probably we'll have some more reading plans coming up for next year if anybody wants to follow along. I'll try to, remember to bring them, and you guys may want to follow along too. You don't have to, uh, but it's just something. If you, if, you, if you like to have a schedule to go by, some people need a little schedule. It helps them to be a little more disciplined, so that may be something good for you to do. I don't know if you've read through the Bible before. Maybe some of you have. Maybe all of you have. Or maybe you never have, but uh, usually what we did this year for the New Testament, it was just one chapter a day, five days a week. So nothing, nothing too time-consuming if you want to just kind of get into God's Word. So uh, we'll talk a little more about that closer to the first of the year. Second Peter chapter 1. Now oddly enough, at church Sunday I didn't preach on this passage, but I only preached for about 20 minutes. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. We were done by quarter to twelve. I don't know if y'all will be that lucky today, but we'll see. All right, we'll pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. I pray that you help me to do a good a good job with your word, dear Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit can help the people to hear what they need to hear god not my words but dear lord your words and that they will take your words to heart god And that you would uh, just work in in each of our lives as we hear and study these words today and i ask these things in jesus name amen Amen. Amen. now peter was a (coughs) disciple of jesus christ peter was maybe the most well-known disciple of jesus christ maybe judas could could be in that conversation too because of Judas's betrayal, uh, but Peter is is probably the most well known because of his because of his boldness, if we can call it that. He was always pretty bold to say, "Lord, I am going to be the one that's going to stand by you." He he opened his mouth a few times throughout the ministry of Jesus as Peter was a long time uh, alongside of him, and Peter was a bold disciple in standing up for the Lord. Uh, but Jesus told him, he said, "Look, you're going to deny me," and that that eventually came to be Peter did deny Jesus three times before Jesus uh, was crucified and boy Peter really had to live with that with that just feeling that burden that shame and we see at the end of John uh, in chapter 21 before Jesus ascends back to heaven we see this restoration of Peter and we see Peter restored three times by Jesus, asking him if he loves him. And, and Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. Jesus gave him some instructions. Peter had a job to do. He was going to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. Once Jesus was gone, it was passed down to his apostles, his disciples, his followers, to continue to do the work, to continue to build the kingdom, to continue to preach the good news and to spread the the gospel. And so Jesus started it. He brought the He brought the gospel message. He brought the good news. He He paid the price for our sins. He was the atonement for our sins. He was our redemption. And once Jesus had paid it all and done everything, he says, now I want you my servants to go out and continue to do the work and tell others about the good news. And that's what Peter and the disciples did in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. And on past that, that's where we see and the followers and the servants of Jesus doing the work. And it was not an easy work for them. It was a difficult work for them. They were always facing persecution. They were always facing imprisonment. Uh, sometimes they would encounter uh, groups of believers that were doing well, that would love them and that would take care of them, but then they would go to other places where things would be very difficult for them. And so h- here in Second Peter, this is the same Peter that we're, that we're talking about that was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he's giving some good instruction to the hearers of this letter here. Now, I don't know who he's writing this letter to. I should have researched that and looked it up. I don't know who Peter is writing these words too but these words are good instruction for you and i he he, he kind of tells them in the first part of the uh, chapter one which we're going to look at some instructions for godly living how they need to how they need to stay on guard and continue to build themselves up in the lord and then he gives them some warnings uh, on in chapter two about some false teachers and false prophets that may come and uh, may try to, uh, to 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 lead them astray and to get them off track and so he gives some good uh... uh good good instruction for us in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 even uh, the same instruction that was true for the people back then is true for us today so second Peter chapter 1 verse 1 Simon Peter a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of of our god and savior jesus christ now there's an equal faith here that that they are all in the faith together that is they all are followers of jesus christ and in in, in following jesus christ everyone is equal we are all in equal faith no matter whether we are uh, tall or whether we are short no whether we are rich or whether we are poor no matter where we're from no matter what language we speak no matter what color, color our skin we are all equal in God's sight. We are all children of God, and he reminds us of that here in the first verse. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we see, uh, we see loving uh, uh, introductions to letters like this all throughout the New Testament. He's he's wanting grace and peace to be on the hearers of this letter, and everything is through Jesus Christ. He's a servant of Jesus Christ. We are equal in the faith by Jesus Christ. We have grace and peace through Jesus Christ. So everything that we see in God's word always centers around jesus christ the old testament always points us to jesus christ the new testament always puts all the focus on jesus christ there is no other lord there is no name under heaven by which men shall be saved and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord now we see that all throughout the bible you say well I've never seen Jesus' name in the Old Testament. It's there. Everything is there. His name is not there, but everything in the Old Testament is pointing us toward Jesus. It's a foreshadowing. The things that God established, the things that God prophesied to the people about, they were all pointing to the Messiah that was to come. That's what we're going to be talking about, especially most of you at your churches, I'm sure, and probably some here will be talking about the birth of Jesus. That was the fulfillment of that prophecy. There were so many prophecies in the Old Testament that talked about the Messiah that was to come, and Jesus was that Messiah. He was the perfect that was to come. He was the perfect new way that was going to bring a new covenant, a better covenant to God's people, as we've talked about numerous occasions in the book of Hebrews, and everything in God's Word is centered upon Jesus Christ. Verse 3, "...His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness." So through God's power, we have everything required for life and godliness. Not on our own, but through God. We have everything that is required. He is with us through whatever situations uh, we may be going through. He is there for us to give us the strength, to give us the power, to give us the ability to do whatever it is we need to do. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. So it's because of God's glory and because of God's goodness. Not because of anything that we have done, but because God is gracious and merciful and loving. Verse 4, by these, his glory and goodness, by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So because of God's glory and goodness, he is allowing us, by faith in Him to uh, be able to overcome all these corrupt, evil desires, for us to be overtaken by corruption, for us to be ultimately overtaken by death and sin. But we, through God's glory and goodness and our faith in Jesus Christ, are able to overcome these things, to be victorious uh, through these things and these evil desires and the corruption of the world. Verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, this is good instruction for us now, to supplement our faith. Now, our faith is what saves us. We are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. There is no amount of works that can ever be done that would earn our way into heaven. It is not that we have to add works to our faith to make it whole, but our faith comes first, and that's what draws us to Jesus Christ. But our faith should be accompanied with works. Our faith should produce works. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are saying, Lord Jesus, I am going to follow you. I am going to serve you. I am going to do what you command. And as a result of that, our faith should result in works. Why? Because Jesus tells us to do these things. He tells us to take care of the poor and needy. He tells us all of these things that we are to do that are good things, to love one another, to treat people right. All of these things we do because Jesus commands us to. We do because we want to follow Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, that's what you sign up for. That's what you agree to. And it's not hard for us as Christians, or it shouldn't be, for us to say, Lord Jesus, I want to do what you command. And so if we have faith in Jesus Christ, that should produce works. Here Paul says that we should supplement our faith. These are things that we need to be aware of if we're followers of Jesus Christ and living in faith in Him. We need to to continue to strengthen ourselves in those areas. Yes, faith brings us to Christ, but our relationship with Christ is and the Lord can be fractured if we if we don't ever give God any attention just like a relationship with a husband and wife you can get married to someone and you can indeed be husband and wife but boy that's not going to be a good marriage and good relationship if you never talk to the other person if you're always mean to the other person if you always take 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 and never give anything back to the other in the relationship you are indeed married you have you have gotten married through that marriage And in coming to Jesus Christ through faith, we have become his bride. We have entered into that marriage. Uh, But we still have to work at it a little bit to make sure that that relationship stays strong. If there's a problem with our relationship, I can assure you it's not because of any fault of Jesus. Now, most would say in the world, well, if you see a, a, a problem in a relationship in a world, uh, no no party's innocent. Probably both of them have a part to play in it. But that's not true when we talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If there's ever a problem with our relationship with the Lord, it's a problem on our end. So, Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says, supplement your faith with these things. If we strive at these things, if we work at these things, if we grow in these areas, then our relationship and our faith in the Lord will continue to grow and be strong. When troubles come, we won't have a weak faith, and we won't give up, and we won't doubt the Lord, but we will stand strong in Him. That's right. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Uh, that's, that's good. We want to be good because Jesus calls us to be good. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't want to be evil. Therefore, we want to be good. And we should want to do good to other people. Now, I said should because that's not always the case. There are times where we may want to do bad to other people. Now, I'm not saying that we want to we do something horrible to them, but we may wish for some bad to happen because we don't like them and they deserve something bad to happen to them. And that's not a godly attitude, even though we may be tempted with those things, or maybe you're not, maybe it's just me. We fight those temptations, as Peter says here, that we are to supplement our faith not with evil desires for people but with goodness. So we strive to be good and we strive to do good to others. With goodness, goodness with knowledge. Now, knowledge is the next thing that he talks about here. Now, we need to, as Christians, have knowledge of God's word. We need to be in God's Word. We need to have knowledge of who God is, the character of God, of the commands that our Lord Jesus gives us. We need to understand God's Word as best we can. I understand that some of it is very difficult to understand. I've yet to meet a single person in the world that understands God's Word completely from front to back, although there may be some who profess that. I myself am not. There are still things that I read sometimes and it's like, God... I just don't understand what you mean there. And maybe I'll understand it one day. Sometimes he reveals things as we read and study through the Holy Spirit. Other things it's like, golly, dear Lord, I just don't know how all that's going to work out or what all that means. But I know that God is good. And the problem is not that God is not good or that God is confusing. The problem is that I just lack understanding with my feeble human mind. But we want to continue to grow in knowledge. The way that we grow in knowledge is to be in the Word, to understand God's Word, to know what God's Word says, to know who God is, to know who Jesus is. Knowledge with self-control. So he's kind of just he's kind of going from one thing to the next to the next. He's allowing the thing he was on to transition into the next thing. Now self-control is a tough one. Self-control is something that we as Christians really have to focus on. That is indeed, as the Scripture would say, as Paul would tell us, a fruit of the Spirit. If we are in Jesus Christ, uh, we are a good tree. And a good tree is to produce good fruit. And one of those fruits of the Spirit that the Christians should uh, be able to exhibit is self-control. Now, that's something that would get us out of a lot of trouble if we could do it. That time when somebody comes at you and you are tempted to say something back to them, be mean to them. We have to bite our tongue, right? We have to exercise (coughs) self-control. When somebody comes up to you and and they punch you in the face, and boy, our natural reaction without thinking is we want to punch them back. We have to have (laughs) self-control. When we're tempted to look at someone of the opposite sex lustfully, we have to say, nope, I'm not going to allow my mind to entertain those notions. We have to have self-control. Now, there are lots of things in our life we need self-control with. And the Holy Spirit will convict you, and some may be convicted right now. Not just the things I mentioned. There are plenty of areas where we need self-control and that's one of the things that peter tells us here that we need to be able to exercise and supplement our faith with if we do these things that he's telling us it's going to help us stay strong in the faith and have a good relationship with our lord and savior jesus christ self-control with endurance now self-control may be difficult sometimes But it goes well with endurance because sometimes we have to have self-control in situations where people are doing us wrong, and we also have to endure it. Just because we have self-control may not mean that the situation will get better. It may mean that we have to uh, continually have control over ourselves as we endure situations that continue to go on and on and on. Now, Peter's not writing this to us as a man who's just saying, hey, have endurance. There's nothing to it. Peter is writing this to us as a man who had to have endurance. As we see with Paul's writings, he was a man that had to have endurance. That is to keep going, to keep running the race. That is the faith in Jesus Christ, to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Because he was constantly being beaten and imprisoned and going through hard times by taking his stand for his Lord. And he could have just given up. He could have said, I'm tired, I can't go that extra mile. But because he had endurance, he continued to do the Lord's work through the difficult times. There's a movie, some of you may have seen it, it's kind of old uh, now, it's been out for a while. Uh, It's called, um, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, It's a football movie, a Christian football movie. What is it? Somebody help me out. What was it called? Uh, Somebody knows, that church that's made a bunch of movies. they made Courageous and... Do what? It was an Notre Dame movie. No, I can't remember what the name of it was. Anyway, it was it was a it was a it was a high school football team uh, facing the Giants. That was the name Amen. of it. And there was a there was a there was a guy and there was this, this drill they had to do and they had to put somebody on their back and they had to they had to go as far as they could and so he, he went a little ways and he kept going and the coach kept he kept driving him he kept saying you can do it don't you give up don't you give up and the and the player kept saying I can't do it coach I can't do it I can't go any further and he kept going and the coach kept driving him the coach kept encouraging him the coach kept pushing him and pushing him and he kept saying I can't do it coach and the coach kept pushing him kept pushing him, kept pushing him, and he thought he was only going just a few yards, and by the end of it all, he went until he couldn't go anymore, and he looked up, and he had crawled across the whole field with that player on his back. He went further than he ever thought he could go. He had endurance, and he didn't just go half the way across the field. He made it the whole way. He didn't give up because he had those around him who were encouraging and who were pushing him, That same idea goes with us as Christians. We have to have each other to push one another. We have to have endurance when we say we can't go any further. We have to continue to push to go further. Endurance with godliness. Uh, We want to be godly people. That is, we want to serve the Lord and we want to worship Him and we want to uh, do what He calls us to do. Godliness with brotherly affection. Now, isn't this an interesting brotherly affection? It's interesting because he says brotherly affection, a brotherly affection with love. Now, those two things—it seems like they would go hand in hand. If we are supposed to love one another, then we we should have brotherly affection toward one another automatically. Uh, but he lists these two things differently here. Some of your translations may say brotherly kindness, but uh, that's the same thing. I think in the original, original Greek, it would have been affection, it would have been the, the, the better word there. But we are to show a certain kind of kindness to our brothers. So we are to be kind to them and we are to love them. Now, that's important, I think, that there's a distinction there because we can say we love all people and we may love all people But there may be some people we don't like and that we're not very kind to. Now you say, well, I don't think there's a distinction there. Well, maybe there's not, maybe there is. You have to make that uh, that call there. But we are to have brotherly affection toward one another. We are to love people, even those people who do us wrong. It may not be that we want to spend a lot of time with them because of the way they treat us, and we don't have to love the way they treat us, but we do have to be kind to them. We do have to show them brotherly affection, and we need to strive at doing that because sometimes it's hard, and not only brotherly affection, but also love. Now, love is something that should be the the number one quality that a Christian should possess. And we need to stay on guard that we do continue to have love for one another and also love for our enemies, as hard as that may be to do. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... Now get that. These are things that we're supposed to have if we have those things and they're increasing... That is, we're, we're growing in our self-control and in all these other different areas in our endurance and our knowledge and our goodness. If these, these 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 aspects of our Christian life and fruits of the spirits are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would venture to say that anyone who is a Christian would not want to be useless. They would want to be useful for... Uh, for the kingdom of God, for uh, promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, if you want to continue to be useful, then grow in these areas. Continue to increase in these areas. Supplement your faith. Don't just say, well, I've got faith. I can just sit back in the recliner, uh, spiritual recliner now, and just ease back and let God do all the work. No, that's not how it works. Yeah, we have saving faith in Jesus Christ, and He forgives us of our sins but we still have to seek to live for Him and serve Him and be obedient to Him. And when we do that, Peter says that it will help us to be more useful and fruitful. Verse 9, The person who likes these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Now, there may be some who are Christians who are not doing well in these areas that Peter has told us about. And Peter would say that they are blind and short-sighted and forgotten the (laughs) cleansing of their past sins. We need not forget where we have come from if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We need not forget that we are horrible sinners. It might be easy for us, especially if we've walked with the Lord for a while, to say, boy, look at those other horrible sinners out there. But we need not forget that we were one day just like them. And some in this room may still be living in sinfulness apart from Jesus Christ. Maybe living in the blindness and the short sightedness. But I hope through God's Word today, especially at the beginning, that you've heard and you realize and that you would accept that Jesus Christ is the only way. That there is no forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus Christ and even for the believer. Paul, excuse me, Peter says we need to be reminded of that. Verse 10: Therefore, Brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. If we, are, if we are aware of where we are, if we're continuing to grow in the Lord, the chances of us stumbling or giving in to evil are going to be very slim. Now, it's not that we're going to be perfect, but there's a much greater chance of us uh, uh, stumbling into sin if we are lacking in these areas that Peter described. But if we are strong in these areas and increasing in these areas, then the chances of us stumbling are going to be pretty slim. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. Verse 12, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you have. Isn't that interesting that Peter says, I I know you know these things but I'm going to continue to remind you of them. Now that's important for us to remember because how many times have we gone into a Sunday school class or we've heard a preacher preach and we say, oh, he's already, we know that. We've already had that lesson. He's already preached that sermon. He said the same thing last week, just with a different verse. We've probably all experienced that and say, we've heard this before. But Peter says here, I'm going to keep reminding you even though you know these things. Why? Because we need to be reminded. Now, if you hear one of those things two or three times in a short period of time, it may be that God wants you to hear it two or three times in a short period of time. It may be, if you're like me, you forget. You knew it, and when you kind of first see it, you're reminded of it. And that's the point, right, is that we need to be reminded of what God's Word says. And Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you of these things, even though you know them. I'm going to remind you of God's Word because it's good for you to know what God has called you to. 13. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder. That's good. Why? Because we all need to be woken up sometimes. I do. Again, I I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't cast my my shortcomings on y'all. Y'all might not ever need to be woke up. Y'all may be doing good and on fire for the Lord all the time, but sometimes I need a wake-up call. And me too. Sometimes you're sleeping hard in your spiritual life, so to speak. You don't realize, but you need somebody to wake you up. When you go to a hotel, when you check in, sometimes they ask you, would you like a wake-up call? Why? Because you're probably going somewhere the next day. And if you don't get up on time, you're going to miss what you're going to see. And so they'll give you a wake-up call and give you a friendly reminder, give you a little nudge. Hey, you need to get up. And that's what uh, Peter is doing for his people here, for us here. He's giving us a wake-up call. He considers it right, he says, to give us this reminder uh, while he is in this bodily tent. Now we see the tent referred to a couple of times in scripture and the tent is is our bodies that we live in. That is, it's a representation that these bodies are like a tent. They don't last forever. They're wearing out. They get torn very easy. As storms come, they get ripped up. They begin to leak. We can patch them up as best we can, but eventually the old tent is going to be destroyed. And Peter knew that his time was short. He knew that his tent was going to be destroyed. But he says, as long as I can go, as long as I can do, as long as I can preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, as long as I can remind you about what's right, as long as I have this old body, I'm going to keep on doing and telling you what God's Word says. Verse 14. Knowing that I will soon lay aside my ten as our Lord Jesus Christ has also shown me. He knew his time was short. He said that Jesus himself had shown him that and so he was trying to do all he could for the Lord while he had the time. Verse 15. And I will also make every effort that you may be able to recall these things at any time after... My departure. His desire was after he was gone, he wanted the people to know God's commands. He didn't want God's commands and God's instructions to die with him he wanted to impart it onto other people. He wanted to impart it onto another generation so that they could impart it onto another generation. So that they could impart it onto another generation. And here we are today in this room because of people like Peter, because of faithful servants of Jesus Christ who continued to pour the gospel into other people, who continued to tell them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He gave His life for the forgiveness of sins so that each one of us that come to Him can accept that. So that each one of us who have put faith in Jesus Christ can grow in Jesus Christ. So that we can be uh, grow in our, in our goodness. So that we can... Uh, be able to produce self-control so that we can be able to endure that whatever comes our way so that we can be kind to one another and so that we can love one another. Yes, yes. And we come week after week here or to our church or wherever it may be that we meet and study God's Word, we do it time after time so that we can be reminded, so that we can teach others, so that they can be reminded, so that they can teach others about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it all comes through faith in Him. Everything starts with faith. I don't know if you put your faith in Jesus Christ today, but if you hadn't today, is the day you need to do it. Let's Amen. pray. Amen. Father God, we come to you this morning and I pray that if there's one in this room that has never accepted Jesus Christ, dear Lord, that they, they know they need Him. God, I pray that they do at least. I pray, God, that if they didn't hear Your words today, that they would read Your words, dear Lord. Not the things that I said, but that they would hear what Your word says, dear Lord. That they would see that Jesus is the center of everything and everything is created for Him, through Him, by Him. And God, I just pray that if there's one in this room, that today they would come to you, that they would ask Jesus to forgive their sins, that they would turn, that they would repent, dear Lord, that they would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that they would follow through with baptism, that they would come up to me after the service and say, look, Brother Shane, today... I made Jesus my Savior in my heart. I know it. I accepted Him. I asked Him to forgive me, and I want to be baptized as He commands. And God, I pray that if there's one in this room that made that decision, that they'll make it known, God, that we can uh, celebrate with them the the wonderful joy that is uh, salvation in Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some in this room, and they're yours, and they they just needed to be reminded of these things, God, as, as Peter has told us. We do need to be reminded because sometimes we get, get blind by the things of the world and we're short-sighted, dear Lord, and we're not, we're not doing what we should. We don't remember how great of a price you paid for our sinfulness. And I pray that you just remind us of that today. And I just thank you for a beautiful day. I thank you for these wonderful people that you brought here. And we thank you, God, for your love and your grace and your mercy. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.